Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Hi, guys. For those of you, there's a couple of you that are joining now. Uh, I am available. If you have any questions, contact center related, Web3, NFT related, uh, anything in your contact center, call center operations. Uh, we did this last week. I thought it went really, really well. So again, if anybody has anything you want, uh, let me know. Just throw it in the comments section. And uh, what's up, David? How you doing, bud? Uh, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can get maybe some help and, and hopefully add a little bit of value to uh, to everybody out there. Like you said, I think you know we had about I don't know six or seven, maybe three or four. Of you asked questions last week. Hopefully, we can build it. I don't know if if you guys have seen, but uh, James Dodkins, who's the just a rock star, literally um, in the CX world. Uh, he's going to be joining us as well, uh, coming the the first episode in June, and we're going to do kind of just him and I uh, do an AMA on, and we can kind of reach out a little bit farther from call center and contact center questions to more customer experience, loyalty, uh, building community, uh, those types of things with your organization, with your business. Um, I'm excited to learn from him too. Like I, I've seen his keynotes um, at Call Center Week and and those type of events, and it's just super fun and, and super informative. So. Uh, really, really cool, really good guy. Excited for him. So again, that'll be June third. Have that uh, that kind of penciled in. So you'll see more on that um, as as we go as well. <clears throat> so you know, first question David has: How fast do you think smart contracts for contact centers will take off? And I I think the answer to that probably is more industry related than it would be contact center related, right? So like me being a BPO servicing other customers. Um, that's where we're going to see, I think where it's going to impact the contact center, right? So servicing smart contracts and having our reps be able to understand what that smart contract said, there's going to be, have to be some things built right for that. So, you know, whether you're dealing with, you know, industries like uh, internet companies, right. Or, um, I keep going back to you know like your your telecom and your your iPhone and and, and calling Apple right so subscription based things uh, you know that's really going to have the impact I think more on the servicing side uh, of of what we're going to need to have our reps be able to understand right because I truthfully believe in the next five years right airline tickets sports tickets you know all those type of either subscription or access to something. Smart contracts are going to be built with that um, into the NFT. And if if somebody has a question, you know, that's something that our customer service reps as an industry are going to have to be able to, to start to learn. So I think the contact center and the associates and people that are running contact centers 
are going to need to are going to be at the forefront of this. And they're not going to be the ones actually, I guess, doing the NFT, right? But they're going to be servicing it and are going to become experts in it probably much quicker than than really everybody else is. So again, I think I think in the next really three to five years, right, we're going to really start to see how customer service centers really are going to need to be experts really in, in NFTs. Um, and, you know, if, if you're an airline right now or, you know, some type of conference, you know, you're starting to think that through right now, airlines, especially, um, you know, what, what if, you know, what if uh, a Delta, you know, c- c- come out, comes out with their NFT and says, Hey, listen, for, for the next month, we have a famous artist from Ukraine that every airline ticket that you buy and every NFT that you have, right. Which is basically the ticket. Um, you're going to get this artist, this one-to-one special piece of art and, you know, 10% of every ticket sale an NFT sale is going to go to the Ukraine relief. And then every time that piece of art, which was a ticket gets sold, you know, United, whoever's going to get a little bit of a kickback, the Ukraine, uh, relief is going to get a little bit of, of money as well. And that can kind of go in perpetuity. So it makes total sense why companies are going to start to do NFTs because it's not now just having a customer for one event, but it's going to just be a reoccurring piece of, of income that's going to continue to happen. So hopefully that answers it. I know that's, again, that's probably the roundabout way, but that's kind of how I see the the impact of, of what these are. And uh, Dustin, I'll, again, I, I think you did send me, if you sent me your, uh, your address already, then that already went out. I'm not sure if you did or not. If you have not sent it to me, um, then make sure you just DM me your, uh, your address. I think you did it last week. So if you did that, I mean, it's already went out. Hopefully you'll get it, uh, you know, sometime uh, early next week, but yeah, thanks for, uh, and again, if anybody's listening, if you want a free copy to shoot me your address, I'm more than happy to, it's like 230 pages of anything that I could think of to help people with their, with their contact center. All right. Question here. What's the biggest ROI on speech text analytics? How do you measure compassion? Awesome question, right? So what I would tell you is like big data, right? We start to get insights into customers that we never had before, right? So speech analytics is now, you know, not just having, like I said, like a a rep with or an associate with a, a button, a seat, Right, but now we're actually collecting data. And you've heard, guys, if you follow the podcast, you've heard me say this a million times. That's why I didn't say we're called Expedia Call Center, we're Expedia Interaction Marketing, because I, I kind of saw that these tools were going to be out there, right? So, like for us who use speech analytics for all of our clients, we can tell our clients specific things, like, hey, that uh, the 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 new um, sale that you had last week, this new product that you just launched. You know, 30% of the customers who called us in about it use the phrase too expensive. So you may want to pivot, right? You may need to look at price points, but we can now using our customers and instead of uh, trying to do a, a survey for them, anything that they say, we're, we're collecting that data and then we're using that data in those keywords. So the ROI on that, I think is, is crazy good. Um, if you're using it from a, from a marketing standpoint to get customer insights, things that you could have never even thought before. The stuff that you want to learn about, you can, but the coolest stuff is the stuff you don't even know you don't know. Um, and that's the stuff with a good analytic platform. And you're right. It's text now, right? I think 
you know, in contact now calls it, they don't call it speech analytics. They call it interaction analytics, right? Cause they can do it on voice. They can do it on email. They can do it on, on chat. So getting all these insights into, to, to customer journey, you know, that, that's, a, I'm glad I said that. That's the other thing, right? So many times you hear bad call center, right? When someone has a bad experience or a poor experience, right? Our, our CSAT numbers are down. Our NPS numbers are down. It's got to be the call center. Well, maybe it could be. But the other thing that's really cool about analytics is that you see the whole customer journey. So we can see that, you know, maybe 40% of the people were actually complaining about the website, right? They were complaining about the shipping delays, right? So it's not the call center issue. And before we would just be like, hey, what's the call center hearing? You know, what are you guys hearing, right? And we would give some kind of like anecdotal things that a couple reps heard. Well, now we can actually say and, and say, you know, it's been 132 customers that said this in the last hour. You know, we can give those kind of, of stats, which I think, again, what's the problem? Getting to the heart of it from a marketing standpoint, how can we fix that? How can we tweak our marketing, tweak our budgeting, tweak our pricing? All right, number two, your question is how do you measure compassion? And with compassion, I call sentiment, right? And sentiment is basically taking the, the word usage, right? And then in some platforms, actually tone and rating it, right? Positive, negative, neutral, mixed. Uh, so, again, we're, we're, we're paying our reps off of sentiment scores, right? So, we, we can actually show our customers and really good speech analytics platforms, you can actually show your customers that you're being, quote, unquote, nice, to their customers, right? Which is something that we've never been able to do as an industry. We could say, here's our CSAT scores, here's our NPS, and here's our QA scores. But now there's like a machine actually listening to every single interaction to be able to say, hey, this rep's a little bit rough with their tone, their word usage. This rep is really customer service-y. And sometimes maybe you don't want the real customer service. Maybe you want more sales. And you can kind of measure along that spectrum um, with, with that. So again, I love analytics. It's getting better and better and better every year. More things are being added to it. So I think it's it's really cool. And then Dustin has a uh, has a question for us. So again, I mean, I don't want to get specific into, you know, I'm not vouching for any product because there's a lot of really good products out there, right? We are using Nice and Context. I'm on their full suite, right? So we're using Nice and Context interaction analytics for our speech analytics. But there's Observe AI, right? There's There's a ton of different, Really, really good organizations, and I'm not here to vouch for any of them, unless unless they want to pay me, then we'll talk. <laughs> um, but I've I've demoed most of them, and, and a lot of them are they do a really, really good job, right? I would say that I'm more pro speech analytics right now than I am right now pro AI and, and kind of all the AI things that are going out there. AI is kind of built, I guess, a little bit into this analytics, but really excited about organizations that say, hey, we want to make that step um, to to really not only learn about our customers, but be able to either show or pay our reps, right, on on being nice. I think once the the full industry really grasps that, um, we see CX and, and customer experience take a take a hopefully a really big shift forward. You know, I was I did a post the other day on on LinkedIn and you know I, I get all the feeds from all these you know quote unquote industry experts and people in the technology of, of what's coming and you know, what call centers are using. And most of the call centers and most of the technology that these, these people say we're using. And I'm an, I'm kind of an SMB, right? I'm not huge. I'm, I'm five, 600 seats. That's a, that's a nothing in the, you know, into the giant BPO world or the city banks or the bank of America's right. Um, 
and right, that AI technology, you know, that's that is being used by the early adopters. But you know, we're still in a spot where most people are not using speech analytics, right? They're not using, you know, these really cool tools that are pretty inexpensive now that can make massive changes um, to your operation and, and to how you you handle your customers and the the experience that your customers will have, right? Because you can measure not only uh, your reps, but you can measure your customers, right? Which again, I think is a, almost a better insight into NPS and CSAT is saying, you know, 50% of our customers have positive sentiment on January 1st. Let's see if, you know, based on what they said and these changes that we're making, you know, on the website and on our delivery method and things we're saying with the, in the contact center to try to get that to 60 to 65% in the next six months. Right. And if you can raise your customer sentiment scores, that just is a happier customer. So, yeah, that's my soapbox on, on analytics. You guys know I, I'm a huge fan. I love it. Um, and I'm excited when, when organizations, you know, ask me questions about it or want some insights into you know, how to make how, how to make their, their organization better through that tool. Yeah, good stuff, guys. I mean, literally, I could probably go on and on about, you know, the benefits of, of the analytics for us. Um, again, I think the I think the coolest part of this is the, you know, the the aspect of us being able to pay, right, and, and to pay associates off of that. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's a you know one of the really cool things about the tool. I mean, do any of you guys are, are are the people who are listening right now, are, are you using, um, yeah, okay, there you go. Um, you know, yeah. So really cool. No, this is a great question. There's, there's so many tools out there that are, that you need like a data analyst, right? Uh, next city is one of them. unbelievable tool. Like if you have programmers and you, the insights you can get from it, if you know how to use it. Um, but there's some really, and again, I, I'm not, if you if you want to DM me, I'll give you some names. I don't want to you know act like I'm acting on behalf of any of these organizations. But you know, for CX one for interaction analytics, my supervisors use it. Right, they're the ones that are actually setting it up. Our QA can actually do it. I don't very rarely will we have a programmer actually do it. So again, it's finding the right tool for your organization. If you're ten thousand seats plus, yet yeah, Next City is great. Right, you need the hardcore one. Um, but if you're looking at you know again, we're five hundred seats. I don't need to get that crazy. And the insights that I'm getting for for this tool are is amazing. Um, really good question. So there's there's so many on the range, right of of tools that you can get, but that's one of the things that I think why it's important to to get like a contact center broker. Not saying me, but anybody when you are making these type of purchases because you can make something that looks unbelievable on a demo, but it's just you can't use it as an organization because you don't have maybe the talent, the skills, or the time. Or maybe you're just getting so much information, you don't know how to parse it, like you're saying, data data paralysis, right? So I think that's part of the, you know, part of the really good uh, reasons to kind of look through really what you're getting. But there's some tools out there that are super easy that you don't need programmers for. They're, they're there. All right. Stephanie has a question. Are your agents back in the office or they still work from home? Oh, man. So, yeah, we're still work from home. I, I personally don't like it. Agents, supervisors seem to like it. Now, we have brought most of our management team, meaning actual on-floor supervisors. We've changed the look of our office. And maybe I'll do a maybe a quick video next week. So we've, we had a small, like, 50-seat um, kind of off the main center that we used sometimes for QA or training. And we basically gutted that, took all the call center, contact center booths out, put desks in there and TVs. And it's kind of like our war room, our mission control room for our reps. 
So I think we're changing kind of how we do business um, and making it really cool for our management team, which is obviously much less than our actual agents uh, to, to be there. Um, but I will tell you, we are really trying to get anything that is HIPAA compliant, PCI compliant, retail where we're dealing with credit cards, anything that from a security aspect, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to bring back. And I say try because we're still working through that. Like I think a lot of organizations are, um, and then do it kind of on a merit based system, right? If you've been here for a really long time, I'm, I think I'm okay with you being home. Um, but for the most part, I want anybody that's newer, um, or maybe struggling. And that's the other thing that we've been doing too, Stephanie, is if we do have a rep that is struggling, right? Maybe not hitting goals or their KPIs, you know, we will bring them back in here. The other thing that we found is we're not very good at training, uh, remotely. And I don't think we're engaging enough. I think it gets boring. So all of our training has been here on site. And then, you know, right now we're just letting them go after probably a two week to three week, depending on the program, uh, nesting period here in house. Right. So bottom line is right now we're all work from home, trying to bring back some things from a security standpoint that, you know, could be a little bit more vulnerable with being at work from home. It's all worked fine. Um, but just little things from a brick and mortar guy uh, that, uh, you know, kind of still feels like. We're missing something by not all being in the office, but I, I get it. It's kind of the new world. I need to adjust. I think more than the agents need to adjust. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of where we're at. It's not as fun. Like even I'll tell you this, we do have some reps here. Maybe if they have poor internet or they want to be here, right? The option still is you can come into the office. So we, we have reps that take us up on that and we have pizza every Friday and I'm in the pizza room right now. <laughs> so they're like, yeah. so you as a couple of people have been walking in like, Hey, where's the pizza? Uh, so Again, we're trying to do some, I don't know, I would say fun, but at least Friday, like little lighter things here in the office. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a, probably do another podcast episode too on engaging at home. Like, cause I think we've done some, some unique things that we've tried to learn through. And most of it hasn't come from me. It's come from our management team, the supervisors that are doing some cool things, trying to engage and have some fun at work from home. Cause that's the, that's the other part of it. That was a hard cultural thing for us. All right. And then, I, you know, it's cool. David, this is great when you guys want to respond to this, too, because there's so much knowledge here. Um, you know, he see David is saying our people need to be here for 90 days after training, have to meet their KPIs before they're allowed to move. And I think that's where most people are going. I think what you're doing there is great. And that's kind of what we're doing, too. Most of it isn't 90 days, um, but it's program specific. Right. So we're a BPO. So we're dealing with, you know, some really easy, right, quote unquote, easy uh, week trains. And then we're dealing with six week trains for some of those. And those guys would be there a little bit longer. So it just kind of depends on the client, but no, that's good. I think what you're doing is, is probably going to be the new norm. Uh, what are the leading indicators of a positive customer experience? Well, you know, this is kind of a loaded question and I think, you know, the number one thing now is that we can going back to our analytics Thing. We can measure now the entire customer journey, right? So that's what analytics is now doing, right? It is not just taking a snapshot like CSAT and NPS. And maybe NPS, we could you could argue, is more of a customer journey. But I would say CSAT is more contact center related. How did your contact center, um, you know, deal with that 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 issue that an associate had, and were that was that customer satisfied, right? So. I would tell you as a trend, you want to keep continue to move your positive 
sentiment. Like, so we have sentiment goals for all of our clients, right? Based on the type of customer, we have some really difficult customer bases that we know when they call us, it's nothing we did, but there's a, there's a product issue or there's a constant, you know, something that's always kind of going on and creeping on that we get more angry customers than, than certain brands and, and organizations that, you know, have a customer base that maybe they want their password reset or they're, you know, they're calling to get an account balance, you know, those types of things. Um, so we are trying to move sentiment scores from a baseline of a customer and continue to move it right more positive. And again, we're looking at the keywords that our our customers are talking about: website issues, delivery issues, uh, product poor product, bad quality. We're looking at all that, giving this information to clients, and trying to move that customer experience. So I think again, for us, sentiment is is, is almost our. It's what we live and eat and breathe from a customer standpoint. If a customer wants CSAT scores or NPS, we can do them. But I've pretty much convinced everybody and they see the, the benefits of that. So you know, I think that's one of them. The other thing is making sure that you have everything benchmarked, right? So you know your handle time, what that should be, how much should they be in after call work, right? All these kind of efficiency metrics play into that as well. So if you have your efficiency proper, right, and you have your efficiency where you think it should be for customers, Right? And that includes your SLA, right? Is it an 80-30? Is it a 90-10? Whatever that is. And then you take all of the uh, fluffy customer service stuff from sentiment scores and kind of put that together and understand what that experience should look like. I think those are really good indicators of, of really the, what a new world-class center is um, and and what what you can do to make things uh, make things better for, for your customer. So, Again, I hope that answers that. I mean, I'm always a believer. Everybody always talk about just, you know, efficiency KPIs, service level, uh, average handle time, average speed of answer, after call work, call time, super important stats. But really, they're just they're talking about the efficiency, more the efficiency of your contact center. And now we have this tool called analytics that is measuring the sentiment, the the, the tones, the, the verbiage, the, the the word usage that we can now tie together to make a really, really cool experience. So I hope that kind of, I hope that answers that that question for you. And again, this I think was a question I asked. I, I know um, Dustin. I think you said you're using or have used Nexidia, and you know can, can have a plus or minus experience with that. Are any of of you guys using any tools, any speech analytics tools right now? You know, what are you finding? Are some of the issues that you're having with that, or have, has it been a positive experience for you, or is it something like, hey, we we really want it, we just we don't have it or can't afford it yet? Yeah, so most everybody is kind of saying that they don't have it, or if they do have it, it's been a difficult kind of road to hoe with it. Um, it's kind of interesting. Getting some uh, private DMs here too, guys. So, if, again, if, if you want to make some things anonymous, you can just kind of shoot me some things. So there's some people that are doing that as well. They don't show up in chat. But no, good stuff. Good good analytic uh conversation here today excited as well going to uh not to get off the contact center but gonna go to vcon next week which is kind of looks like to be the nft kind of conference mecca um and i'm gonna be live streaming and live blogging and tweeting out and shooting out as much content as i possibly can and trying to make that directly correlate if i can to customer experience customer service um, so, David, maybe I'll have some even better answers for you there, too. Um, 
you know, based on kind of what I, what I hear there and in some of the sessions that I go to and some of the people I talk to going to do a couple blog or uh, podcast episodes with some people I meet out there too. So have a couple of feelers out for some guests that I know you've heard before um, or people you've heard of before. So kind of excited with that. Trying to get better here with this uh, stream yard, this app too. I think I'm, I had a banner here. It was up, up here. Well, I guess you can't really see that, but it was, on both sides, but then my questions were, were taking it over. So I probably should have done a little bit more work on this thing, but it's getting better. It's getting uh it's getting a little bit better. <laughs> what do you guys think too, you know, from a from a customer experience standpoint? Um, how are you guys measuring, you know, your reps? Like how are you saying if a rep is quote unquote good or not? Are you just using QA? Um, are you using their metrics um, like handle time? How are you? How, what is your your biggest way to kind of reward and measure uh, your reps that are that are that are rocking it? Hey, Mohammed, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hope you're doing well yourself. Good to good to have you on. Good to have you here. Um, anything else, guys? Um, anything that you've been thinking of? Any call center operations question that you're like, Oh man, any issues that are happening in your center right now? Uh, do you have a rep who's you know causing you problems? Is there anything that you kind of, you know, just have been kind of nagging at you, bugging you, um, you know, more than happy to uh, more than happy to help. Cause we've all, we've all have those and have them going on currently. Right. Um, kind of all together in that, in that boat. I'm going to throw it up there. Apart from creating tons of content, do you have any advice for someone in the commercial side of the call center business? In other words, advice for somebody trying to find and sign new business clients? Well, I don't think you can say apart from creating tons of content, Gene. Gene, um, And it's not tons of content. You have to just create valuable content. Um, You know, it's fine to go to shows, but then who's going to know you? You know, you're just going to be a sales guy walking up to someone. Um, I just... You know, just doing this, and again, I'm not saying I'm some guru, but just wanted to try to add as much value as I could to an industry that I saw really nobody was really helping. Everything was kind of sales, right? So I think in today's Web 2 world, where we are, um, it's very difficult to just say, how do I go sell, right? Because selling is now building community. Selling is now building a personal brand, building your reputation as an organization. You guys know all about me. Most of you have literally read my book. Um, So again, I'm not saying that you trust me because you don't really know me, but I think that there is a level of trust when it comes to certain topics that people then now come and ask me about. Um, We have gotten a lot of business from the podcast, right? Uh, from, From people listening agreeing with some of the things that we're saying. And I got a lot of people that disagree too. Um, and then feel like they have a really good feel outside of me selling. Like I never sell, right? We have, we have very rarely, are we putting any content out there that even goes back to a landing page? Now I think there's, there's one or two of them that are out there that we're testing. But again, our, our full marketing strategy, which has worked is try to get people to come to you. And I know that sounds crazy. But, uh, you know, we have moved now to, we post, you know, five to six different pieces of content on LinkedIn a day. We're trying to do three to four different TikTok videos a day. Um, and the organic reach that we're finding on TikTok is crazy. 
So think about and you can say, well, t- my people aren't there. My my industry isn't there. And they're, you're right. They're not right now. But look at Facebook. Facebook started as the cool thing. And now it's the thing for our grandparents. Right. Instagram started as this really cool thing that all the kids were using. And now you can't get any organic reach. All the brands are on it. And basically without paying a ton of money or having a huge audience, right, which I didn't have because I didn't believe in it. You can't really post. You can't get any traction. TikTok is the next thing, right, where right now you can post anything you want. doesn't have to be funny. I'm not doing anything funny on it, right? I'm doing like this. Like these videos will be up on there. And we're getting traction because in five to six years, maybe three to five years, when the organic reach is gone, then we're going to have a, a, a community that we can still talk to that we're, we're not going to have to pay. So I think that's it. Again, I, I know I'm rambling on that, but it's so it's it's the number one way. Um, you know, we don't we don't. I'm a call center. We don't cold call. We don't have a sales team. We have just a content team that's creating content. Hi, right, Mohammed. Can can you please assist with in regards to payments? As I was working with one of the most respected companies, but they're they're denying it to pay us. Yeah, man, that's hard. Like I don't. That's probably even outside of my scope. Um, you know the the things that we do. I know from from the offshore side with with leads, um, with blind transfers. I mean that's that's kind of the wild wild west. Uh, very difficult to to even manage. You know the the thing is that's really why we've never offshored. Why I, I I really don't offshore. It's why we don't do those type of programs. It's hard, right? It's hard. And and when you find somebody that you can trust, like we used to do student loan consolidations back in my second life. Um, and th- that was difficult to get paid on, right? So you got to just find the ones that you trust and you believe in. Uh, do very little bit of business with people that you're trying to kind of put your toe in. Um, but it's a, it's it's really based on trust, especially offshore with with contracts that you can have a contract, but how are you going to enforce it? So again, I'm probably the last person to talk about it because I know how difficult your job is from that type of contact center business. You know, that's kind of why we're we're kind of USA customer service paid by the hour. Um, you know, everything is kind of signed and, but yeah, man, it's hard and you don't want to bash somebody on social media. You can. Um, but then how does that go with, with other clients that you may have? So it's, it's tough. Again, I'm not giving you a great answer here because I don't really deal with it that much. Um, cause we're not really, really in that world. So sorry, buddy. I I'll say a prayer for you. I know that's, that's the worst feeling in the world. You know, I get mad when I'm, you know, we're net 30 and maybe we have a client that goes net 45. Like that's kind of the issues with us, which I'm sure you would love at that point. Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be difficult. Good stuff guys, right? This is getting kind of more fun. Like every, this is the second time we've done this now. Um, today's the first day. I think we hit, we just hit double digits, you know, with the amount of people that were on for a second, or at least we're like in that nine, which, you know, all I'm looking for is if I can help, really, if I can help one person with something, and hopefully some of these, some of this uh, is adding some value to you guys. Um, hopefully that can help. And again, as I already kind of said, too, for those of you who weren't on earlier, you know, James Dodkins, who's, who's just an awesome keynote speaker um, in the CX world, he's going to be coming on in June. Uh, probably get some of you guys on here, too. We're going to do some HR-specific ones with some of my HR staff. Um, coming up. So we'll try to get things, you know, have me just come on here for office hour too, um, but also have some specific ones based on maybe training and have one of our trainers on that you guys can ask those questions. H- again, HR, um, have some of our supervisors on here and, and, and try to 
again, as much value as we can and make this a place where, you know, I want to come every, every Friday from one to two. All right. So how do you help experienced leaders? How do you, how do we help experienced leadership concerned with agent performance to see the importance of shifting focus to customer experience? How do we help experienced leadership experience leadership concerned with agent performance to see the importance of shifting focus to customer experience. Well, I'm not sure if those two are, are, you know, are, are not one and the same, right? Because your agent of agent performance is going to have a direct impact on your customer experience. Now, if you're talking customer experience as, as like the customer journey and they're focused just on your agents. Yep. That's when uh, it becomes very difficult. Uh, we always see that, you know, with organizations that, Maybe, you know, finance is the, the, the leading kind of kind of hammer of the call center, right? So they're just looking at the efficiency metrics. They don't really care about anything else, right? And we have to really explain to them that it's not just agent performance, but it's customer experience as well. Um, sometimes we'll see the marketing side, right? And they're really, they're worried more about maybe the sales or the experience that the customer is having, not so much on the, on the KPIs. So they'll focus more on this and kind of let this go. And we have to talk to them about that too. All right. So again, I think if you can show, you know, the, if you have a good rep and you have a happy customer, right, that's kind of the end goal. Right. And again, you got to have them both to, to have both of them, right. If that makes sense. So again, I think it's really difficult to just say, we want our, our agents to perform better, but not worry about the customer experience because the customer experience is now every touch point that you do with a customer, right? From the website to um, any type of interactions you have from email um, to them going to the store and talking to a sales rep, that whole sales cycle um, and that service cycle, the call center is just one piece of it. So it's, it's trying to get your, your leadership to understand that a lot of times they don't want to take the blame for other things. The call center just gets beat up. You guys all know that, right? The bowl, it always rolls downhill and we're the last ones. We touch the customer. So it can't be them. It's got to be the call center. Um, and again, that's probably why I like analytics as well, right? Because I can actually talk to, to a customer about things beyond, because sometimes it is the call center. Sometimes it is our reps or it's their reps or it's when we consult, there's just an issue in the contact center. A lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's 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 kind of an umbrella of, of really everything. So being able to drill down to that, I think, will help a leadership team uh, really understand the the full impact of, of what they're doing to customers. And it's just it's way beyond just having agent perform an agent perform better. Now, let me just say this though too. Now you're really you can say that, but you still, you know, your role as a call center manager is to get the agents to perform better, right? So I'm not saying we don't do that because that's our role. That's our job, but just understand, right. When we, when we explain what's going on, that there's a bigger picture to it as well. And that's why you can't beat your associates up all the time. Right. Uh, You can't just say bad rep, bad rep, bad rep, right. Only when they, they, they are the bad rep, then you can kind of work through that. But a lot of times there's, there's so many moving pieces to how, how the economy and, and how service works now, right? There's so many different touch points. It's not just a phone, it's email, it's chat. It's, it's all these different ways that a customer can interact and any breakdown in there is going to roll to you, right? So you have to make sure that you have the tools to be able to, to manage that. I, I hope that answers that question. Um, quickly, too, between questions here, you know, we are doing a, um, and it we're hoping to be a July drop. 
we're doing a 30 token NFT drop uh, for access, I guess, to, to us and to me and to my team. It's totally free, right? So you still have to have a wallet. You have to have Ethereum to pay for the gas, which is probably 20 or 30 bucks. You'll get the token and things like, uh, you know, there's an emergency button, right? So if like something's going on and you don't have an answer, I will answer your call within five minutes. We'll try to work it through. Um, training sessions with your reps, right? On any topic that you want, um, contact center related, fit four 15 minute uh, one-on-ones with me. Um, we can discuss anything from a roadmap for technology to things that are actually happening currently. Um, anything that you want from there. So there's a, there's a bunch of things that I think can add some value. We have some, we'll have token only AMAs with some really cool guests um, that are again, keynote, keynote speakers to come on and, and kind of talk and hopefully add some value to you guys that will just be for token holders. So there'll only be 30, right. And then there'll be an AMA with that. So probably 25 or 20 people come. It'll be a, just a, a 20 to one ratio with asking some really cool questions with some really, really cool people in the industry and CEOs of, of different organizations. Um, so really excited for that. So start to think that through with your organization. Again, it's totally, it's free. I'm not charging for it. The only reason I can do 30 is because I don't think I could do as many calls and, and as you know, handle that with 50 people or a hundred. Um, so we're going to, we're going to cap it at 30 and, and kind of see how that goes. And, um, but yeah, really excited to, to do that and to, to, I think hopefully pull you, whether it's kicking and screaming into uh, the web three world and to have us really learn the smart contract, learn how to program it, learn how to do a drop so that if we want to do something bigger uh, later on in the year, which is the plan to do something on the, on the verge of, of 10,000 tokens, um, with some utility that uh, we're going back and forth on right now, but really excited for that. So again, think that through and, and just be kind of ready for that. You know, do some Googling if you want some help for me to, to kind of set up a, a, an Ethereum wallet, um, a MetaMask or, or to buy you know, $50 worth of Ethereum on Coinbase. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to help you with that as well, but I think it will be well worth it. Even if you don't use it to have in your back pocket in case you ever, you know, have a question or, or want anything answered and need it uh, need it for that. And then we'll also do some of these, right, with just just token holders as well. So, again, excited about it. It should be something uh, something cool, something different. And, and I think, again, trying to just try to add value. Yeah, and hey, guys, listen, I, I know that I'm getting a lot of or some questions in here, too, on, uh, you know, how to get clients, right? And, again, I, I, can't, I can't help you with that. Um, I will tell you, you know, you got to do the work to get the client, right? I don't, you know, I, you know, I believe, you know, you're Nick Juveline. Um, you know, I've never seen one piece of your content, right? Who has seen any of your content? How do I know what you can do? How does anybody know what you can do, right? If you are offshore now, I mean, I don't mean to be blunt, but nobody cares about your price, right? You guys all want to come at people with, you know, it's cheaper. We all know it's cheaper, the problem is, you know, how is how is your quality better, right? There's some really good offshores, right? Really good offshores. But how are you really good? And how do we know that? And how are you adding value to people? So, again, I can't – I don't – I can't really help you because, um, listen, I'm looking for clients. Um, and, again, we don't offshore, so I can't I can't help you there. But, um, yeah, I would – again, like, like Gino – you know, and he believes in it now too, or not for me, but he's, he believes in the, you got to create content in today's market and get people to kind of see who you are. Um, and then, 
that's the only way to, you know, your content is the porch to your business, right? It's the first thing that people are going to see and they're not going to want to open that front door, right? Unless they like that porch, they like the, what it looks like from the street. So again, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't really help with, with a lot of that stuff, especially, you know, offshore, because to be honest, I'm not even an expert on that. So I will answer that. That's kind of a cool, I mean, I guess, how did I get started as a call center agency founder? So I, I grew up in a call center, like my family owned one. Like when I was nine years old, I was filling vending machines and, you know, interacting with reps and, you know, there was no computers at the time. This is like 1985, 86. Um, so I did that. Right. And I got involved with it. And then I went to college, but I was always working in the contact center. We worked for very large organizations. We we're a BPO in the you know early 2000s, worked for bank. Probably, I don't know if I can say that, but a lot of banks, like top 10 largest banks in the United States, you know, we were doing customer service for. And that was great. But then 2008, 2009, 2010 happened and we got, you know, we got killed, right? Because that was the Great Recession, which turned into the Great Depression for us. Private equity guys kind of came in, said everything's going to stay the same bought the the whole thing and basically fired all of us uh, a couple months later. So I sat down and, you know, we had a big, uh, we had a big lunch and I said, who wants to come with us? And most everybody said, I'm out. A couple people said, if you build it, uh, we will come. So I went out for about a year and a half and tried to raise money and uh, ended up raising 200 grand at the time, which I thought was a lot of money. And we started Expedia in about 2010, 2011. Uh, you know, started with four reps, and uh, you know, we really just kind of grown from there. Had a lot of contacts in the industry that that knew how the work that we did. So I probably had a little bit of an inside track once we got started, but it wasn't easy. I mean, it's very hard to start with when you don't have a really center to show people that there's look, there's 200 people in my center. No, there's five, right? So why am I going to give you my 25? So listen, I. While I feel for you guys that are starting out or have a smaller center that you're trying to grow, it just takes a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, and you got to have the right people with you, right? It wasn't all me, not even close to me. I had really good people with me from, from our management, from our trainers, from our IT staff. You know, they kind of put it together. I just kind of, you know, kind of set the table, but the, they, they're the ones that had to, had to go do it. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And then, you know, we've grown this thing to about five, 600 seats and uh, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can continue, but interesting. Everybody's got an interesting road though. I'm, I'm sure the stories that you guys have are, you know, are, are pretty cool as well. We should do, we should do an episode just on that. Like how, how you got involved in the industry. 